I want to welcome you to the Pro Mindset Podcast. The Pro Mindset Podcast is all about diving into the headspace that results in championship performance. High-performing athletes, winners, have this mental flow and have a positive headspace for their performances and success. Join me, Craig Doman, sports attorney and NFL agent, on this podcast. I will interview pro athletes, college athletes, football coaches, and sports personalities. Together, we can discover how you can get in the flow and have your own pro mindset. Let's dive right in, Duke, to sharing with everybody. What do you do for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? What's your title and what is your role? Yeah, no, I'm director of player engagement with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. In title, that's that's what it is, but in essence, the role is is pretty pretty multifaceted. You know, I, I see my job as as one who really the the goal is to help guys matriculate into the league successfully, develop as, as professionals sooner than they would uh, on their own, and and really just help them maximize their opportunities while avoiding pitfalls along the way, man. I mean, I think it's it's a pretty simple aim, but it takes a lot of forms and fashions with how we how we execute that here in Tampa. Um, but really the, the goal is help grow these guys up sooner. And I think that would naturally kind of result in, in a higher level of production that we get from them on the field while at the same time keeping them in a, in a head space and in a heart space where for the sake of their lives, they're grounded and, and knowing who they are as men from an identity standpoint to really put themselves in a position to be successful leading families and businesses and communities and everything else in perpetuity for the rest of their lives. Okay, so to regurgitate what you just said, Duke, you're like the initiator of the growth hormone that these rookies, when they come into the NFL, need so that they can become men overnight because they're competing as a 21, 22, 23-year-old rookie against guys that are 28, 30, 35. Right, correct. And And guys that largely have figured it out for the most part. That's why they're still there, so... So if you got a guy that's 35 that's taking care of his body and he knows every trick in the trade and the front office wants to have competition so they decrease their budget at that position, they need that young player to develop. That's your job is to help him become a man so that he can be on a level playing field with that 35-year-old if that's even possible so that his talents show through and the temptations that these guys have hopefully are not deterring him from focusing on his game. Yeah, correct. Yeah, I mean, the, the I think the professional process is the last piece that usually gets added to a player's toolkit, right? I mean, uh, most guys make it to the NFL because, shoot, God gifted them to be bigger, stronger, and faster than, than their counterparts. I mean, they work hard and they understand what hard work looks like. But the, to, to your point, the example of a 35-year-old, there's no way that you can say that a 35-year-old in most cases, 95% of the, the time is, is a better physical specimen than his 25- or 26-year-old counterpart. It's just that that person has, has learned how to scaffold their game and support their talent by becoming a pro, and that's, I think, the aim of the job. Okay, so you talked about maximizing a performance, speeding up their learning curve, and helping them avoid the pitfalls. What would you say from your vantage point is the most typical pothole that that rookies and young players step into that detours their career? Yeah, that's a that's a good question. I think there's 
a lot of them, unfortunately. That's that's why the the failure rate or the the rate of attrition in the league is is what it is. I think one of the more interesting ones to talk about that's not that doesn't fall in the category of money and women and uh you know off the field conduct. It's 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 a more kind of basic principle, but I th- I think a lack of a lack of honest assessment is is a newer one that I've seen emerge as something that really hinders a lot of guys in their growth, right? I mean, when when I go to the combine here in, in a couple of months and you start talking to potential first-round picks and guys that are slated a little higher, one of the things that I always say that I look for in those guys is a is a sense of honesty and a sense of humility, right? Because I think, I think what happens is, you know, in our world now today, especially in the social media world where you get 30 chances to take the picture and get the right lighting and, and, you know, then you, you rewrite and edit the comment that you add to it and have three or four different friends give their opinion on it. But you get to pretty much manufacture the persona that you would like to be. And there's a, there's a shade of truth in that and that it is you, but it's probably the expression of yourself that you wish it was as opposed to sports and the, the pimples and the under, the underside of what all of us really are with our fault, with our faults and our flaws. So, you know, I think I've seen a, a trend of guys come into the league where they're so committed to that persona that when you when you show them objective evidence that flies in the face of that or that, you know, would tear down some of the perfection of the persona that they've created, they, they just reject it. And even though you're telling them, like, look, man, two plus two is four, they're like, no, 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 in my world it's six, and they just don't want to listen, right? And, and so I think there's, you know, I, I always tell people, the simplicity of my job, while it's pretty vague and, and pretty broad, you know, I, I feel like I, I function best when I'm a mirror, right? And I just, all I do is hold up objective evidence to guys and say, listen, this is what I see. And it doesn't match with what we want, number one, but what you've said that you want to be. So is there is there a thought that we can help you fix that and move past that and grow? And if a guy looks at the mirror and says, no, nah, man, that, that's not me, you got the wrong guy you really can't even get the process started. And so I think that's that's one of the things that I've really seen emerge in younger players of late that's puzzling, right? I mean, they would rather leave and not have the opportunity and not make it to where they probably could for the sake of, you know, keeping their delusional sense of self instead of just being open to, you know, refinement and corrective changes and saying, look, I don't have all the answers. Can you help me? And I think it's just a it's a it's a troubling trend, but it's one where, I think if guys are willing to kind of take an honest look at themselves, they really move past their competition. So, Okay, Duke. So give us an example, not the player, just the situation where it's not drinking, it's not girls, it's not, you know, some of those things where and when I'm listening to you, I'm thinking a guy says he knows the playbook, but he really doesn't. Right. A guy says he's really making football number one in his life, but he's not. It's those kind of things that are, more difficult and less like you can't you can't wrap your arms around it. This guy's got a drinking problem. That's something you can wrap your arms around. Right. But I think when it comes to maturity and doing your job and giving everything you've got, that's more difficult to like have lines of demarcation because it might filter into all parts of their life. So they think right. it's just okay because it's it's who they become. It's how they think. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, maybe an example. Our, our coaching staff was really big this year on on harping on guys to spend more time preparing, right? And no different than you know my nine year old. I go, hey, go go in your room and study. Make sure you do your homework. 
But if she doesn't know the basics of, of what she should be doing, uh, it's very different than telling a, a, a college student to say, hey, go go to the library and get your studying done. Right? They've likely had an opportunity to learn some skills, learn some study techniques with flashcards or memorization or whatever it is, right? So our, our young players this year, amidst our head coach and, and our staff, you know, really harping on guys to spend the extra 15, 30 minutes of preparation watching the tape in their playbooks, in the game plan. Our young guys, they go, okay, cool, I'll, I'll spend more time. So then I, I asked the question, I said, does anyone, does, will anyone want to share their preparation schedule of what they do? What do, they, what do you do on Monday? What do you do on Tuesday? What do you do on Wednesday? And it was kind of just head down and, and no one really wanted to step forward and own their process. So then I said, well, shoot, how do, we, how do we help them, right? How do we give them some different ideas on how to maximize their time preparing? So I said, well, you know what, Here, here's what we're going to do. So I, I looked around our locker room. I picked out, you know, Levante David, who's a uh, eight- or nine-year pro, multiple-year captain, uh, Dominican Sue, who's been doing it for 10 years and really still doing it at a really high level. And then I called some of my ex-classmates, Vincent Jackson and then Rondé Burke, right, two, two legends of, of the Bucks. And I said, hey, you four guys, will you send me your prep? What do you do, we, like on Monday, on Tuesday, on Wednesday? What do you do? I, just, I need a snapshot to be able to show our guys, the young guys, what, what they do. So uh, give the rookies the, the, the task and the, the, the exercise of, now I want you guys to do it and tell me what you guys do Monday through Friday, Monday through Saturday. And for some of them, I got to chase them down, right? Hey, you have your sheet? No, I, I got it, man. I'll, I'll give it to you. So, you know, that's kind of like one of the first pieces in the test of do you really want to be open to be evaluated or do you say, no, I, I spend the extra time, right? So the guys who were quick to, to turn in their sheet, at least that shows some willingness to really want to be evaluated. And the other guys where you got to chase down, do you really want to be great? Because if you're willing to match what you do with some of these guys who are, are Hall of Fame caliber kind of guys, that should show you a lot, right? So so then you get both back, and then I, I put, let's say, Rondé Barber is next to one of our young cornerbacks. And I say, all right, look at yours and look at his. And they look at both. Now, now what do you see? What's the difference? Uh, you know, not much. But then if you or I were to look at it, we'd be like, what do you mean not much? He has this on, he does third down tape, he does down and distance, he does this, he does this, he does yoga, he does this, and, and all you're saying is that you come in and watch film. There's no detail to it, there's no specificity to it. And they go, yeah, I know, I know, but that's just, that's not that's not what I do. And and so you go, all right, well, if if, if this stares you right in the face and you're not willing to, to admit that A is very different than B, I'm not sure what else I can I can show you to help you, you know, improve your process. So until you get to that point where you know the pain of staying the same gets greater than the pain of changing, nothing really is gonna gonna move. So you know, I think it's, it's anecdotal stories like that where you, you see guys that you're you're trying to help become more self-aware, refine their process. And if a guy just doesn't want to engage because he doesn't see the importance of it or he doesn't see that there is a problem with how he does things, I mean, again, the process really never gets off the ground. Well, here's the thing, Duke. Every single year, there's seven rounds and 256 guys drafted. And there's going to be approximately 167 on average make active rosters around the league. Every single year, give or take a couple. We need players to not be self-aware, not be willing to get better, not be willing to be evaluated so they can be replaced by other uber-talented guys that want to. All right. That's the reality. And I think that because these guys 
Most players that play in the league, that play in the league right now, most of three, four, five stars in college or out of, coming out of high school. Mm-hmm. They, they were obviously big-time players in college. They wouldn't have been drafted and wouldn't be in the NFL. Then when they get to the NFL, if you're drafted in the first four rounds, you're not getting cut anyway because it makes the GM look stupid for taking the guy. So you're going to make it if you're drafted in the first four rounds. And you've never had to deal with failure. You've right. never been fired from your job yet. Right. I would I would venture to say the guys that are the best at being willing to be evaluated are the guys that have been cut four times. Correct. Because they don't they know it's not going to kill them, but they don't want to be they don't want to move again. Is that a fair right. statement? Yeah. No. Absolutely. Because there's a sense of humility where they have a, a level of gratitude for, for the opportunity, and, and you know, but that's where even the numbers bear it out, right? I mean, guys, and some of it you can you can attribute to just pure volume, but guys drafted in rounds four through seven usually end up having longer careers than than the, the first, second, and third round guys, right? Because the, the success and even the level of, of monetary windfall, they have to wait and they have to, they have to keep working for it. So the satisfaction of, of a lot of guys is already met. And, and I think that, that brings up a, a, another maybe point for, for me, and maybe it's just a personal one for us in the Bucks. but I, you know, I've, I've said this, that the, the biggest trap for teams to overcome is is small stomach syndrome, right? And I'll explain it like this. You know, it's it's where in order to get through hard times or hard situations and, and life's biggest adversities, you got to have the proverbial stomach for it, right? I mean, if you start puking at the side, the first sign of trouble, and you don't want to dig in and fight, um, you're gonna have a hard time making it through some of those things. So so you got to have some stomach about you in that regard. And then the second application of that is is from a success standpoint. You know, if you have a small stomach, a snack satisfies you right where where instead of a big thanksgiving meal you just grab a roll and uh you know a glass of, of apple cider and, and all of a sudden you're you're full and you don't really want anymore and that's where you see teams that have one win and then have two losses and then maybe two wins and then three losses because you know all they need is a quick satisfaction and they're fine as opposed to that insatiable hunger of being a champion and stacking win on top of win but again that goes back to that that group of having to grind it out to achieve mentality guys that they've gone through the wars and they've developed that stomach and they're so hungry for success that just a, a little bite of it isn't going to be enough. So they got to keep going. And, you know, to see that bear out in guys, it's a satisfying thing, but it's also the most frustrating thing where when guys start driving nice cars and having a, a few bucks in their pocket, they think, well, shoot, I've made it. The level of prefer- preparation it takes to win games as opposed to just play well enough to keep your job are two very different things. Well, I would venture to say that, and they'll never do this, and this is not in the best interest of the players and being an agent. You know, I couldn't advocate for this. But if everybody made, let's say, a million dollars when they came to the league, if you made the active roster, but if you got drafted in the first round, you know, a year after your career is over, you get your other 19, 20 million, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Some players would wait, want to be done quick yeah. so they could get their 20. Yeah. Others would work harder so they could get a 200 right. and then be like, wow, when I'm done, a year after I'm done, I'm getting my 20 million that I earned 15 years ago. Right. And then maybe pay them interest. Right. Might, you know, if they play for, they might quadruple by the time, they, if they played 20 years, like a Tom Brady or whoever it may be. Yeah. That would be an interesting dynamic because I do believe that when guys get drafted in the first round, they're less hungry. Yeah. 
You're right. No, which is, I mean, I'm sure you've talked about this. I mean, it goes, it goes into motivating theories, right? Like why, why do you do what you do? And, and I always tell guys, you know, it's okay. It truly, and I, I believe this, like, it's okay if you don't love the game. There's some guys that, you know, they like it. They've always been good at it, but they, but if you really press them, like, would you do this for free? They would say, no, heck no. I mean, I don't love it like that. Um, and I, and honestly, I think that's okay. But, but when I try to introduce our guys to, if, if that's you and you don't love the game, then man, there's so much to fall in love with, with the process of taking an idea and a, and, and step one and adding step two and three and seeing what that yields, right? It just so happens to be in a field where you're talented and gifted to go do it or else you wouldn't be there. But when you step out of ball and you say, look, I want to develop this technology or I want to provide this kind of service, you have to do the exact same exercise. All right, how do I, how do I increase my value proposition? And then where do I address the demographic that it'll go to? How do I market it? How do I scale it? And then it starts to be that exact same process. And I think if, if guys could find something that they love about what they get to do, then man, the, the motivation piece just, just kind of follows suit. I mean, it could be your teammates. It could be your family and stuff, but, you know, uh, that to, to your point of, of the deferred compensation, you know, again, once guys scratch that itch and they have what they think they need, um, you start seeing, you know, the grind slowly, slowly fizzle away. So, you know, is there a way to re-engage something else about what you do that, that triggers that same work ethic and, and drive that got you there? And that's, that's always one of those challenges. What I share with guys is that the purest Passion is actually loving the game, loving the competition, right. loving the preparation, loving the grind, loving the interaction with your teammates and your coaches and all that. The second one is if you don't love the game, you better love what the game can do for you. And right. it can do so many things, not just financial, opportunities, social media. Depending on what they want to do, the game can be a springboard for whatever else their passion might be. Right. And then the third thing is when you come to that time when your passion for something else is more powerful than the passion you have for the game, that's the beginning of the end of your career. Yep. Because you could love hunting. You could love fishing, golfing. All these things are good things. But if you have a choice between watching extra film or going and playing another round of golf on your off day, that is the beginning of the end. Right. And what you have to do is put the passions that you have in other things in perspective of I can do that during the off season. I can do that every single day when my career is over every day. So if I play for 10 years and I'm 32 years old, I can do that for 30, 40 years. And if a guy can't do that, he's not going to stay in the NFL very long. Right. Yeah. No question. Okay. So let's go, let's go back to, you have such a, a great handle on, you know, how guys can design their lives so they can maximize their opportunity. Kind of give everybody a sneak preview into what, what do you do when you have rookie orientation? I'm not talking about bringing in other people. I'm not talking about introducing them to, you know, financial advisor. I'm not talking about, you know, hey, don't blow all your money. What are kind of the principles that guide you in managing a new class of rooks? Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's a good question, too. I think the external guidance and, you know, trying to lay corrective measures or, or just sound teaching and, and wisdom over broken people in a lot of ways is is just a, a fleeting 
effort in, in my opinion. So, you know, from a financial standpoint, you could teach guys all day long about stock market and, and what different investments look like and how to how to make sure that they have a budget and stay within it and, and everything else. But any anyone that knows anything about money or finances says that, you know, it all comes down to habits and what you do on a daily basis, right? So and and if it if a guy thinks that, you know, the new Ferrari or new C class Mercedes is, is gonna make him feel better or be better or achieve a level of success that he's always dreamed of, he's going to buy it, right? So I think no matter how much sound wisdom you put around guys, if if what's inside of them is broken and they have questions about their identity and who they are as men, um, none of that stuff really matters. So I've always taken the approach that, you know, if I can help guys clarify their identity um, and who they are as people first, as men as God created them to be, you know, leaders in their own right and leaders of themselves first and then and then their sphere of influence because given them. That's how I feel like the best way you can approach these young budding professionals to help them navigate the waters that are that are gonna come up against them, right? Like, you know, and, and we dive down into some really basic fundamental questions of life. We talk a lot about vision and values and the marrying of those, the merging of those with whatever organization you're going to work for, whatever relationship you're going to be in, whatever pursuit you're going to take on, that if you have a vision for being a, a you know, a seven-time pro bowler and playing 10 years and winning three or four world championships, you know, that vision helps clarify the direction that you're going to go. And then how you go about it would be the values that you take to it. And once those are in sync, it really helps decision-making process. If you want to be one of the best, then hanging out on on Friday nights till two o'clock in the morning, and then dragging in with with booze still coming off your breath, and and you know barely coherent in the Saturday walkthrough, like that's not the way to do it because it doesn't that it doesn't line up. So you know how much can we help these guys and people in general taking that that self reflective exercise to say look like who am I? Why am I here? And where am I going? I mean those are three basic questions that I pose to my rookies every year. And if who who am I is and well, I'm a ball player. Well, then I ask, well, for how long, you know, even if you do it for the next 10 or 15 years, you're talking being 33, 38 and not knowing what end is up when you're done. Cause that's all you've ever known. So the more that we can help them identify their core characteristics of what makes them men, you know, I use a really simple definition with, with some, some different manifestations of it, but you know, that, that, that a real man rejects passivity, accepts responsibility, leads and loves courageously and invests in things that last. And that's that's a definition that you can achieve as a hauling garbage or working at, at the grocery store or playing in the NFL. And if that's Dude, our measure of – go ahead. Say that one more time. Uh, which part? The, the definition part? Yes. That if a man's definition is a one, one who, you know, rejects passivity, accepts responsibility, leads and loves courageously – and invests in things that last. And it doesn't matter if you're playing ball or, or doing a number of different other things. You can achieve that. I challenge guys in, in four four capacities of a whole man. You know, the first capacity would be that of a of a of a warrior, which guys are usually pretty good at in, in this football environment, where they can they can line up, they can fight, they can endure. You know, they can bloody themselves and keep going. Right. So a warrior is one piece. The next piece is a ruler or a king. So how do you rule? What's what's your leadership style? Do you do you step in and, and, and say what needs to be said? Do you let stuff pass that needs to be addressed? But a king is the second piece, and then the third piece would be 
a friend? You know, can you come alongside somebody else and walk with them and bury some of their burdens? And then the last piece is a lover, right? And not in the, the bedroom sense, but, you know, can you, can you be soft? Can you have emotions that filter into other people and, and even break you down to the point of tears, right? Can, are you comfortable in those settings with a little girl to be able to sit down and, and talk to her and, and, and have that softer side? Or, or do you only have, you know, your, short, your sword and your shield ready to go to fight? So, you know, if you're missing one of those capacities, I'd say you, you, you're lacking in an area as, as a man. So, you know, those are, those are some basic kind of principles that we try to guide the guys through and at least challenge them to think about, right? Because our world and, and the media at large, you know, you don't hear those things on a daily basis. But one of the ways that I've been able to get to those things, have the guys have a palate to, to hear me out on that, is I always ask them, I, I do an exercise where I, I tell them to write down who, who the best man they know is and then the characteristics that define that person. And every single time, it's a guy that has sacrificed, has given up for, that has that walks with integrity, that leads, that loves, every single time, right? So if, if, if a simple question like who's the best man you know lends to that, then why is it that at our first opportunity to, to step into that, we go buy fancy cars and chase girls and, you know, uh, want to drink and party and smoke and, and do those kind of things. So, you know, and again, I'm not vilifying those. It's just trying to rewire why they're here and what they're, what they're really trying to pursue. Boy, that is outstanding. You have, I mean, not even, I'm not even kidding, Duke. What you've just said in the last five minutes is like gospel. And it's <laughs> not just for football players. It's for everybody. Well, let's talk, let's talk about you're going to the Shrine Game Hotel tonight. To interview yep. some young men, you're going to go to Mobile next week and do the same thing, and then you're going to end up in Indianapolis, and we're going to get together for some shrimp and steak um, in Indy. <laughs> Absolutely. What are you looking for, and how do you how do you find it when you sit down with a young man? You're not the guy that's evaluating their tape. You know, you could, but you don't. You yep. evaluate their mind. You evaluate their motivations, their their personalities, their characters. Describe how do you do that? How how do you get the best information because they're all coached up by their agents right <laughs> you know they're coached up by the media they're ready they're ready yeah. for you yeah <laughs> and, and you probably get the same canned answers from most of the guys on the front ends of your interviews right <laughs> you know tell me about well, yourself what's your greatest weakness all those type of things in some respects they're icebreakers but they don't tell you anything yeah right so how do you do that yeah, I mean, the first thing I'm looking for in India is you to pick up the check when we go eat. But um, yeah. <laughs> you got that. I'm, I'm, no, I'm, I'm just kidding, man. It's my turn. Um, I'm just kidding. So, uh, no, I, I think the, the combine and, and these player evaluations are, they could be difficult because, like you said, I mean, guys have been coached and groomed in terms of what, what to say and what not to say. But I, I'm I'm pretty off script, man. I've, I've, I've done it for a while, and I've, I've sought some guidance from a bunch of different resources and and then I've just kind of thought like all right how if I'm trying to find this how do I how do I get to that right so one of some of the characteristics like like I've already talked about like humility a sense of of honesty some of that is feel you know some of that is asking a guy like all right you 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 get drafted in the second round and they hand you a, a million five signing bonus what's the first thing you're going to buy and and if that's a home for mom if that's a car if that's nothing you know I mean that that tells you something 
And, but even that, you know, some of those things can be coached up. My, one, of, one of my favorite questions or things that I try to look for is guys that can think critically and problem solve. So I've developed a couple different riddles to get to that where you're asking a guy to think on his feet and solve a problem, maybe an open-ended one where they, they can show you how they think, right? I've, I've even done stuff with, with the water cups on the table and filling up two and, at, and leaving the third empty and, you know, asking guys to figure out how would you measure this and, and seeing just how they think on their feet. One of my other favorite ones is I'll ask, I'll ask for a word definition. My favorite word definition that I ask for is, is I, I ask them to define the word ambiguous. I found it in a, in a, in a list of, of words that every high school senior should know. And so here's a guy that went through at least three years of, of, of college and so I just asked, do you know what the word ambiguous means? And it tickles me because you're trying to make a clear definition for a word that means vague. <laughs> so that makes me laugh. But, you know. What's the best answer you've ever gotten from that question that you can remember? Or the worst? Or the funniest? You know, I, I, I think with the, with the word definitions, you know, you'll get guys that go, man, I don't read, man. Like, I don't know what, I don't know what any of that stuff means. You know, and, and they'll just kind of totally punt. There's some, some other guys that will admit that, you know, they used – you know, they tried to befriend a couple cute girls in class to help them out. And, you know, th- those kind of things are always are always fun because then you get a guy that really kind of starts showing you the, the truth of who they are. I, I'll ask questions that kind of point to a growth mindset in a guy versus a fixed mindset in a guy. And, and the example of that is, you know, I'll ask a setup question and I'll say, are you any good at math? And you, usually guys will say, no, I'm not. So then I put them in a mindset where they're saying, I'm not good at math. And then I'll ask a question that's as simple as, like, do you know the square root of nine, right? Like, that's not a math question because, what, you learn those in fourth or fifth grade and you never use them. But it's a memory question more than anything. And then certain guys, because they said they're not good at math, as soon as I finish the question, they say, yeah, I don't know. When, and then if you press them, come on, man, what, what do you think it is? Uh, I don't know, three? And they go, and you go, yeah, you're right. And they go, oh, I, I don't know. But they're telling themselves it's math. I'm not good at math. So therefore, whatever you say next, I'm not going to know. And that would point to a fixed mindset. I look, I'm a, I'm a corner. All I pray, all I play is press. If you want to play, if you want, if you want me to play zone, I'm not going to be very good. That would follow suit that that's how a guy with a, a fixed mindset would probably think versus I played mostly press in college, but I, I haven't had the opportunity to play zone yet. But when I do, I'm going to be just as good at that as I am playing press. So if you can dig down and find some of those things with guys, I mean, I'll ask about support systems and I'll see where they land with that. And then our scouts usually do a great job in having a jacket on a guy. And, and I know if mom and dad are doing well, or if they're in jail or doing different things. And then if they say, yeah, I'm, I'm a ride with mom and dad, no matter what. And, you know, dad is locked up and mom's been in and out of prison. You go, well, man, that, that may not be the most beneficial support system. And if these, this kid isn't, willing to, to break ties with even the hardest of, of, of things, you know, he may not be the best fit from a from a, a life standpoint just based on his allegiances, right? So there's no problem with having parents that, that aren't doing great, but, you know, I'd like to see a guy that, that has a little bit more problem-solving skills and, and critical thinking to say, like, I'm going to go a different direction because, you know, I have a different vision for my life. So those kind of things oh. are, are, are interesting. What you're talking about is also very relevant to free agent acquisitions mm-hmm. and you know it's it's more thought of in the vein of hey the draft process we got to get to know these guys and we don't want to pick a guy in the draft and then find out later we should have known something we didn't find out 
but it also it might even be more important for the the vets because you're spending so much more money on those guys. Right. So let's just take a guy that you know back in August, uh, Antonio Brown. Yeah. Back in August, he kind of things kind of went sideways and haywire with the Raiders and briefly with the Patriots and you know he worked out for the Saints you know a month or so ago and brought a posse with them after they asked him not to. Yeah. What is the fatal attraction that players have to posses? And how do you – they do. And so how yeah. does that – describe for me what your perspective on that is. Is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? It could be good. It could be bad. Obviously, for AB, it, was, it turned into being bad. So I'll let you answer that. Yeah. No, I, I think I think the, the, the posse thing can be a it's, – it's decent enough and it's somewhat – neutral if it's a loyalty thing, right? Like guys that you've been running with from day one and, and therefore they know you better than anyone else. And in some respect, those that group of people are going to shoot you straight where, where I think it usually falls apart is that most guys are the, are the financier of the group's funds. So if you're the, the meal ticket, I mean, it's, it's pretty uncommon that that someone in within that group is going to tell you something that they're afraid that you might not want to hear because then there goes their, uh, their piece of the pie. Right. So that phenomenon is, is interesting. I think with, with AB man, like, and, and really any guy, one of the things that I, that I actually, I like is when I look in a guy's rap sheet or, or background and he's had some legal run-ins, he's had, something go wrong in college where he got in trouble or something along those lines. And I always ask a guy, one, I'll ask him, well, what, what happened? Cause I, I have what I read here, but I want to hear what, what happened from your perspective. And then, so I want to see how closely it matches up. That tells me how honest the guy is, or maybe there's just a, another version of it that I could discern myself. But then the, the, the most important question is the next question where I say like, well, what did you learn? Right? Like you, you got accused of this or you got kicked out of school cause you failed the drug test. Like, what did you learn having to go to this small school and having to leave this, this power five school that you were at? And if they say, Oh man, it just sucked having to ride a bus and blah, blah, blah. then I'm like, eh, I mean, I don't know if you really got it, man. Like, so, so with Antonio Brown, same thing. I would ask, well, what have you learned? What have you learned in the process of losing opportunities and everything else? And, and based on that answer, you kind of have, have an idea of what guys are, where their headspace is. And I think the, the people that they run with, if they're if they're there to hold them accountable and help them, that's a positive thing. If they're there to just enjoy the the fruits of the NFL and you know catch some crumbs from the table, that's a different thing. And that usually ends up playing itself out in the first two or three years, and guys shrink their circles, and those guys have to go start their lives over again. And that's that's a that's a tough deal for usually everyone involved. Absolutely. Let's talk about the rookies when they go through this whole process. They've got an agent that's training them somewhere. They're getting smoothies after every workout. They get, they go to the painting salon before they go to Indianapolis, all this stuff. What is the biggest wake up that you see that rookies should see, but they don't see? Maybe their agents don't prepare them for it. Maybe the process kind of lends them into it, you know, trapping them into a certain mindset that's not reality. I think for, for rookies, especially the biggest kind of wake up call, I think usually doesn't come until a little later in, in some of the process, but it's that, you know, most guys coming out of college, they were the man at their school. They they had to fight for their spot. 
to get it. But then once they got it and they were playing really well, every day they would walk into their facility, there really wouldn't be a big risk that they're going to get replaced, you know. And you can kind of – and as a, as a star in college or a starter or a guy who, you know, plays really well, well enough to get drafted or at least invited to the combine, that kind of stuff, there's a sense where you can just kind of settle in, go through your process, and then from a place of kind of comfort, go try to play your best football. Where the league is very different is that, like, nobody's comfortable. And the, the 50, 53rd guy on the roster, he feels like, man, if I could just be a starter and, like, not have to worry about this and that. Well, if, you, if, if that dude were to morph and be the starter and realize, man, I'm making so much money that if I'm not playing really well, I'm going to get cut just, just like these guys. Like, that nobody right. sits back and is comfortable and just kind of from a position of safety and security goes out and tries to play their best football, that the demands on your stars are just as strenuous as the demands on the guy covering kicks and trying to keep his roster spot or the demands on the practice squad guy trying to get activated. The sooner the guys really understand that, that, that if they're looking for that position of comfort to kind of sit back and ease into things or play their best ball from, from that kind of peaceful mindset like it, it doesn't exist so you should you should stop looking for it i think that's one of the biggest wake-up calls for for young guys i would add to that duke that as a man we all want to coast we want to coast mm-hmm. in our marriages we want to coast in our jobs we want to coast on our diets we want to coast on everything and i think you know i've asked guys many times hey when you when you were back in you know back in the day when you were playing high school football if you got the flu and you couldn't practice on Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday. You show up to school on Thursday, and you do the walkthrough. And on Friday night, what, what were you thinking was going to happen? The coach was going to start you? Oh, yeah, I was going to start. I started. Okay. <laughs> right. Then you go to college. And let's say you start early in your career. And you show up for spring ball before your senior year. You show up for camp in, in August, your senior year, your last year. Where do you line up when they say one to get out here? Do you go out there? Oh, yeah, I'm the guy. That's, what, that's the climate that they're coming from. And they're going into right. a new eco- ecosystem in the NFL that you just described. That is, your job is on the line every single day, every practice, right. every drill, and every rep. And if you can't synthesize that in your mind, it's not going to be long before someone else takes your job. Right. And that's why guys like Tom Brady can play forever because they show up and they have a 20-year-old spirit and they know that nobody's given me anything. Right. I mean, gosh, did you see Sean Payton talking over the weekend when he was, you know, he was, he was getting asked about his two backup quarterbacks yeah. that he thinks are starters. Right. And so here's Drew Brees, who's the all-time passing leader in a couple different categories, and he should go to the Hall of Fame. He's got two guys breathing down his throat. He's got to look over his shoulder at those guys because the coach is talking about how sexy they look. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, especially when you get bounced from the playoffs with a, with a team that everyone thinks you should have beat, no doubt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you got guys like Joe Montana who get basically kicked to the curb. Right. Uh, Peyton Manning was given up on in Indianapolis. So right. it happens to everybody. Yeah, no, that's that's a uh, you know, and that that makes me think of uh, you know, I had Derek Brooks. I usually have him come in and talk to talk to the young guys, and you know, Derek is is one of the the fan favorites, and really like one of the the best players to ever come through our organization. And he made the point with the guys, right? Like the name on the back of your jersey is always yours, right? But the, 
of a number is just on loan because he he was let go at the end of his career, right? You're talking about Joe Montana. You're talking about a number of different guys. Even, even you know, there was, what, Robert Kraft made the statement. I, I sure hope that he either retires or, or comes back here. <laughs> it's like there's a ton of Tom Brady jerseys that could go up in smoke if he's a, a Buccaneer or a, a – uh, where did where did that coach go? Uh, New England, right? Or uh, New York? There's there's so many different things that can happen in the guy's career that that ends up really really challenging the notion that that you are first for, foremost and always a ball player. But if that if that's what guys put their stock in, you know, it's a it's a tough road when it's when it's done. And so, you know, but that's that's where the 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 discomfort daily discomfort makes your time in the league, such a grind, right? And, and it really is like dog years where every year is, is, can be three or four or five different seasons of life or years on your life just because of the, the strain of daily competition and daily having to be, you know, at your best. It's, and, and that's, but that's why it is such a thinking man's game and such a process-oriented thing where, you know, pros last, talented guys have a quick experience, and, and then they, they find their way out, so. Absolutely. Duke, what's a question I, that that you would like to answer that I haven't asked? When I sent you that text and, hey, I'm going to call you in 10 minutes, you're like, oh, I want to make sure I, I think you might ask about this, but I haven't asked about it. No, I, I think the the thing that I that I wanted to, to point out was this like ideal self thing, you know, like, and I, I think it's, I think it has to do with, with the social media led generation of, of young guys that we deal with now, right? That like, you know, when we were talking about, you know, motivations earlier and uh, falling in love with, with the process of, of what ball at, at this level really yields, it does. It's a huge contrast with them and their peers and, and the work that gets, that goes into their craft versus the way that a lot of people in, in, that are not in athletics get to kind of ease into their career and everything else. Where, where it becomes a challenge for guys is that if they don't ever develop that process, right, then all they ever were was a talented guy in their respective field. But then they get out and they go, man, I'm, I'm going to go compete in business or in investing in, in these kind of things or something like that. And then they're not as talented there, right? They don't know what they don't know yet there. And so to then try to compete in that environment where where they would be like, you know, uh, a five flat 40 guy playing defensive back, it's not even a challenge because then their, their, their peer group has also been doing it for the last six, seven, eight years while they haven't done it yet at all, right? So that, that's another reason why I end up spending so much time diving into guys from an identity standpoint and then a professional, like helping them build up a, pre- a professional process and presence because when they step out, they can humble themselves, take the entry-level job, or humble themselves to just go sit and learn from someone before they throw their money into a project, and then apply that same developmental process to something else now because they've seen it work in, in, in an area where they were naturally skilled for. And, and the saddest thing for me is when, you know, you see guys that all they are is the flash and, and, and pomp and circus of, of playing the NFL, and they... they they're so re- reluctant to say, oh, I don't know, I don't know better, or I'm above that fifty, sixty, sixty thousand dollar a year job because I, shoot, I need to make one hundred fifty, two hundred thousand dollars a year to, to to survive, and then they miss the opportunity to go learn and take the baby steps to success, kind of like they did playing pee wee in high school and college football, right? So to develop 
in step, it's a huge opportunity for them. Well, you're teaching them how to be successful. You're teaching them a process and a system to be successful in the NFL that mm-hmm. carries over to life after the NFL, as long as they have some humility about themselves and understand this is a new field they're playing on. Right. You know, this is something that they they haven't been working on for 25, 30 years like they did football. Right. And that if a young man showed up at the Buccaneers complex and let's say he could run 4-1, let's say Bolt, 100-meter world champion, maybe the fastest man on the planet, showed up, he would still right. have to learn how to play football. Yeah, because someone would jam the dog out of him at the line. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, he, you know, he'd be jumping off sides, and he 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 still have to learn the art of playing football, even though he's got all the raw materials to be maybe the best that ever played. Yeah. And so when you got in the business world, you kind of got to take the same approach. So. Mm-hmm. But hey, Duke, I want to thank you very much today for your time. I know you're a busy man and on the road and doing your thing. I want to look forward to seeing you in Indy. And uh, have an awesome day. I appreciate it very much. Yeah, no, thank you for having me, man. This is fun. Thank you for listening to this episode of Pro Mindset. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Five stars, of course. You can follow us on our website, promindsetpodcast.com, or on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Pro Mindset Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you the next time. leftovers or the DMV or house cleaning or Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. We're prohibited by law. T plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.